Welcome to our online canvas. We are so excited that you're with us today, whether you're online, on our podcast, or on our YouTube. Thanks for joining us today. Pastor Jared has a new sermon series called Accelerate. We're so excited for you to hear it, so check it out. Welcome to Higher Vision Church. Um, you know, as we've been talking about circles around the city, there's one word that we've kind of um, said as a result of a circle, and that is acceleration. Everybody say accelerate. accelerate. You know, God wants you to accelerate, to, to move forward, to move fast, to not be stuck where you are. Reminds me of a story. When I was young, I was eight years old, and I went camping with my older brother, Wayman, and a friend from the church who was a little older, and he had taken us out, and we were doing things like hunting and fishing, and it just so happened that one of the nights... Uh, we were going to stay up late and fish into the wee hours of the morning. And so he said, okay, here's the deal, guys. We're going to take a quick nap this afternoon so that we're ready for the fishing tonight. Let me know when you're an eight-year-old, which I was, napping is not fun. And so um, here's what he did. He made the fatal mistake. He said, so while I'm sleeping, just in case um, one of you wake up, here's the thing. See that canoe right by the lake, right here by our camp? You are not allowed to grab that canoe and take it out onto the lake while I am asleep. Do you understand? How many know that when a, ch when a child says, yes, I understand, they really don't understand? <laughs> or at least they do, but they don't want to understand. And so, of course, it was like a beacon. It was like the, fi you know, the, the, the bugs to the fire. I mean, it was like literally he fell asleep. I couldn't sleep. And so I get up, and I'm like, what am I going to do? I'm bored. And, of course, what happens? I see the canoe. Now, let me just say, children, do not duplicate what your pastor is talking about right now. Do not do this or try it at home. But, of course, I'm drawn to the canoe. And so I run over to the canoe. I'm eight years old. I'm thinking, well, you know what? This would be so cool if I get out there. I've always wanted to do it. I'm going to get on the canoe. I'll just go a little ways from shore. I'll go around a little bit here, and then I'll come back, and I'll put it in place, and he'll never know. So, of course, I get on the canoe, and I get on the canoe, and I'm kind of, you know, paddling around. But what happens is I don't realize is that because of the wind and the way the wind was blowing with the working of the waves, before long, without realizing it, I was hundreds of yards away from the shore. Now I'm freaking out. Now I'm freaking out, not because I'm afraid I'm going to die and fall out of the canoe, but because I'm afraid that he's going to wake up and see that I'm in the canoe. Come on, right? So I'm worried about getting in trouble, not for my safety, and um, I realized I better get back to shore because if I don't, he's going to wake up and I'm going to get in trouble. I'm probably not going to get to go fishing. When I get home, I'll be in trouble with my parents. So I start to grab the paddle and I start to work my way back to shore. But here's what I discovered, that the wind and the waves, the way it was going, it, was, it felt like impossible. And I got to tell you for, I don't know how long it was, maybe 30 minutes, could have been 45 minutes. I am literally now dripping with sweat. I'm trying as hard as I can and it took me forever to get back to shore. And when I got back to shore, praise God, he was still asleep. I put the canoe where it was supposed to be, and I ran and I jumped in the bed, and nobody ever knew. To this day, he still does not know. Wayman does not know. My brother. Now, I'm going to say don't do this, but here's what I learned from the story is this. Is sometimes you can end up accelerating and getting somewhere really quickly, but it can be the wrong direction. Has anybody here ever ended up in a place that you really didn't expect to be? 
And here's what's interesting. When we end up accelerating in the wrong direction, it takes a lot of energy. It takes a lot of resource. It takes a lot of time. And we end up spending money. We end up spending time. We end up spending relational capital. We end up spending all of these things to just to try to get us back to where we were before it all fell apart. I want to tell you, the devil wants to accelerate you in the wrong direction, but how many want to accelerate in the right direction? How many want to end up where God wants you to be? Because I'm here to tell you that God has a place for you. He has a calling for you. He has things for you that he wants to accomplish. And so today I want to talk to you about how we can accelerate. And guys, if you'll help me with that clock back there, I would greatly appreciate it. So we're going to dive in and we're going to use a story. Last week we talked about the, the story um, and how that the early church, they circled up, right? And they got devoted to church, to circles, and to generosity. And through that, literally God accelerated the early church and it exploded and it grew. And I believe that what we're going to learn today is going to help you accelerate forward into the things that God has for you. Now I know some of you are going, why does Pastor Jared have people on a couch on the stage? And uh, this is not the Oprah show, it's not the uh, Ellen show, this is just a circle at Higher Vision Church. Can you welcome our circle from Higher Vision right here? And in a few minutes, they're going to tell their story. We're going to talk about circles. And so I'm going to take this story, and I want to show you about how someone literally accelerated. You'll see. Everyone stand to your feet. We're going to read this passage together. 1 Kings chapter 18. You know what, guys? I'm going to have you sit down so they can see. All right, there we go. We worked it out. Good job. We didn't go over that before. Okay. They're so ready. Look at that. Isn't that awesome? Sweet. Okay. Good job, guys. So here we go. 1 Kings chapter 18. Let's read it together. Those of you online, do the same. Then the Lord gave special strength to Elijah. Can I stop right there? Isn't that a good promise to just grab a hold of for us? Lord, give me special strength, godly strength. You'll see what happens when he gets strength. He tucked his cloak into his belt and ran ahead of Ahab's chariot all the way to the entrance of Jezreel. Here's the thing. Elijah had told the king it's going to rain, and you had better get in your chariot and race home or you're going to get stuck in the rain. So he jumps in the chariot and races by horse, pulling the chariot as fast as that horse can go. But here's the cool thing. Elijah ran in front of him for 17 miles. Come on, how many know that's some acceleration? <laughs> to outrun a horse for 17 miles. Now, this is a, a story that happened. God gave him supernatural strength to do it. And he did it in the natural, but there's some principles here that I believe will help you and I to accelerate far beyond what we could do on our own. Because God is going to give us strength, and we're going to launch forward. Somebody say amen to that. So let's close our eyes and pray. Father, we come today with anticipation, getting ready to find out how you can accelerate us into every promise that you have for us. God, there are things you have for each one of us, and I pray, let us accelerate this season. Lord, it could be financially, it could be relationally, it could be in a calling or a career. But God, we're ready. We're tired of sitting back, or we're tired of being in the wrong place. But instead, we want to accelerate into the right place. So speak to us today. Just put your hand on your heart and say this. Say, God, I'm ready to accelerate. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. So I want to give you four thoughts today from this story of how we can accelerate. And the first one is simply this. Write it down. If you're going to accelerate, you need to circle up. 
Some of you are like, I knew he was going to throw that in. This is a series about circles, and when you read the story, you're going to discover that a circle was one of the ingredients to create acceleration. Let's read in the story. First Kings says this, Elijah climbed to the top of Mount Carmel. Sweet, huh? Just sorry, just threw that in. Just a little side joke. And bowed low to the ground and prayed with his face between his knees. Then he said to his servant, go and look out towards the sea. The servant went and looked, then returned to Elijah and said, I didn't see anything. Seven times. Everybody say seven times. Seven times Elijah told him, go and look. Finally, the seventh time. Everybody say seventh time. The seventh time his servant told him, I saw a little cloud about the size of a man's hand rising from the sea. Then Elijah shouted, hurry to Ahab. Here's what's interesting. When we read this part of the story, if you're not careful, you will just go right by and not see one of the ingredients that led up to acceleration. First of all, let me just say, sometimes your breakthrough is not on the first time. Sometimes your breakthrough isn't even on the third time. Sometimes the breakthrough comes on the seventh time. And often we give up before we get to the seventh time. And, and what's interesting is he got to the seventh time because of a reason. And here's the reason. He didn't pray alone. And there's a lot of us that think, well, if I, I just serve God and I'll do it my way, I'll just serve God and do it on my own. Listen, God didn't create you to do it on your own. When he began to pray, now remember, if you've read the context here, he had just defeated the prophets of Baal. And now he climbs up to the top of Mount Carmel. They've been in a drought for several years. He's praying for the drought to end. But here's the thing. He didn't do it on his own. He did it in a prayer circle. He had a prayer partner. And it was through that prayer partner that God gives him a vision. And here's the vision. The vision is that rain is getting ready to come. Can I stop and tell you that God has visions and dreams for you? This church is called Higher Vision, a place to help you find God's vision for your life. He has a plan for you, has a purpose for you, but here's what's interesting. Elijah couldn't see God's promise until he got in a circle. You see, as long as he was sitting there praying, praying, he couldn't see what was going on over the ocean. So he had to have someone in his life, relationally, to show him and see the things that he couldn't see. Can I just make a comment? It's this. There are things you can't see if you're not in a circle. You know, um, this week I had a chance to, to go golfing with someone in our church. We'd planned it months ago. and So we went out to the golf course, and while we were there, um, when we got to the 18th hole, on the 18th hole, it's a five par, and if you don't hit a good second shot to get um, onto the plateau, you end up in this valley, and when you're in the valley hitting your third shot, you can't see the green. You can't see the flag. You can't see where you're going. And so I ended up hitting a bad second shot, and I ended up in the valley. It's about 195 yards away, so I grab a, a five iron, and I, I walk up to the ball. And as I walk up to the ball, I realize I can't see where I need to go. So then I realized I had a circle. I had a partner with me, and he was from the church. He was in the cart, and I'm like, hey, dude, could you help me out? Could you go to the top of this hill and tell me where to aim? And then not only that, watch the ball when I hit it so I know where it went. So what happens? He says, no problem. I'll go up. And he goes up to the top. He says, Pastor, if you look, there's a tower right there. If you'll aim at that tower, that's the direction you need to go. He said, go ahead and I'll keep an eye on it. So I got up and I hit the shot. Boy, I hit it good. I wasn't sure where it went. He says, I got it. I know where it's at. And here's the point is I couldn't see 
what I needed to see until I had the right people around me. Now, unfortunately, he saw where it went, into the sand. <laughs> you know, what's interesting is that a lot of us don't realize that there are things that God wants you to see. But I'm telling you, there are certain things you can't see until you get in a circle. We were just talking at the last service with a different circle. And there was a couple that were a blended family. We had a blended family circle. And in the splendid family circuit was about how do you, um, you know, work through healthy relationships when you bring two families together. And one of the ladies was talking and she said, you know, when we got, before we got married, my oldest loved um, my boyfriend, but then we became my husband. She didn't like him anymore. And suddenly there was a problem. And as I began to talk and as we were in our circle and sharing our thoughts and our needs, I began to realize that I needed to talk differently about him the way she talked about him and the way that she, she called him a certain name. And when someone pointed it out in the circle, I started doing it at home. And when I started doing it at home, now they're best friends. She loves them. She calls them for advice. Everything is great. You see, she couldn't see it until she got in a circle. And there are things about your finances. There are things about your family. There are things about your marriage. There are things about your spiritual journey that you can't see until you get in a setting where someone else has the eyes to have the peripheral vision to look over the top of that valley because you're too caught down in the mire of where you are. You know, there's a, an animal in Africa. It's called the African gazelle. Here's what's interesting about this animal. It can jump 10 feet high and 30 feet in length. Look at this. Look at that. Literally, it, it looks like it's floating. I mean, some of like, see that right there? It's amazing. And here's what's crazy about this animal, the African gazelle. They will bring it from Africa to a zoo in America, and here's how they keep it caged. They put a three-foot wall, solid wall, around it. And you would think, well, how in the world do they keep this animal caged with a three-foot wall if it can jump 10 feet and 30 feet in length? Here's why. Because if it can't see where it's going to land, it won't jump. And I want to tell you something, there's a lot of Christians that you're not launching, you're not accelerating, you're not getting to where you need to be because you can't see where you need to be. And what I want to tell you today is that one of the ingredients in this story that helps us launch forward is that if you'll get in a circle, you'll see the things that you can't see right now. God wants you to launch, he wants me to launch. So a circle, we talked about circles. Some of you might say, Pastor, what is it? If I come to Higher Vision, what is it that Higher Vision is encouraging me to do? Let me show you real quickly. Number one, we want you to attend Growth Track. It starts next week during the third service. If you've never been, you need to sign up. You need to get there. It's in room 11 and 12. You're going to get to have lunch with me. We used to do coffee with the pastor. We're taking it to the next level. We're doing lunch with the pastor. And we're going to hang out. I'm going to tell our story and hear your story. And we're going to share and get to know each other more. You get to learn about yourself, your gifts, and your talents. If you want to, you can become a member. There's all these things to help you know what Higher Vision is about, help you know about your own life. The second thing is that we want you to join or lead a circle. If you're part of Higher Vision, not only do we want you to attend Growth Track, but we want you to join or lead a circle. Why? Because we want you to jump. We want you to accelerate. We want you to reach the things that God has for you. And I'm telling you, there's some things you'll never get to until you get in a circle, because if you can't see it, You'll never get there. And then the third thing is we want you to join the team. We want you to find a place where you can use your talents and gifts to serve. Maybe it's leading a circle. Maybe it's helping in kids' ministry. Maybe it's being an usher. But God has a place for you. So let me tell you really quickly about our vision for circles. This series is called Circles Around the City. We're believing for 100 circles around the city. 
That means we need them to meet in coffee shops and houses and in community centers, on soccer fields. We've got the Santa Clarita Valley. We're wanting them in Canyon Country and Saugus and Newhall and Castaic. We want them out in the Antelope Valley and in Acton and Agua Dulce, all the way out to Santa Paula and Fillmore. You see, God wants to find out. Now, some of you say, well, what's a circle like at Higher Vision? Let me quickly show you the different types of circles we have. The first one is what's called a community circle. This is when people gather. They don't have to have some degree in ministry. They don't have to have a, a, a doctorate in the Bible. They just simply want to gather in community around an interest. So, for instance, and I'm going to have a, a, the circle here share a little bit about their interest and what they're doing. But, you know, I had a, an incredible story happen this week. I had someone send me a message, and I'm going to paraphrase this letter. And, uh, and it's simply this. There was a gentleman that was here, and they were um, maybe in their early 60s, and they were saying that when I was speaking, they were like going, well, that's great, that's interesting, and people were excited about it. But in their mind, they are saying, no, no, that's not for me. I, I, I'm, you know, I went to Bible school, I got a degree, I, I've, I've been involved in the church, but you know what, I like the church here, I like the preaching, I like the worship and all, but I'm not going to get involved. And so after the service, as I was standing in the back, convincing myself that, well, a circle's not for me, my son came up to me and said, um, you know, Dad, um, Pastor Jared was pretty convincing and theologically laid out an argument that there is no excuse to not be in a circle. <laughs> so he said, I kind of laughed and said, yeah, yeah, but then kind of jokingly said, but, you know, what am I going to do? I, I, I don't have anything to give. What are we going to have, a metal collecting circle? Have you ever seen those people that have those metal collectors out at the beach? This is a passion. And so they're like, are we going to have a metal collecting circle? That's an area of interest. And suddenly the wife says, well, yeah, of course. And they're like, no, no, no. And he said, let me ask my daughter. He asked his daughter, you don't think anybody would be interested in a metal collecting circle, do you? And suddenly she's like, yeah. And the next thing he says, I know, is that the computer's in front of me. I've signed up to lead a circle. But here's the interesting thing. By the way, it was called God Tricked Me. That was the email I got, the letter I got. He said, God tricked me. And now he said, instead of kind of being discouraged or looking at the downside of things, now I'm all excited thinking about when are we going to meet? Who can come? How are we going to get there? What's going to happen? He said, now I've got a purpose. And my mind is thinking differently. Because listen, I want to tell you something. No matter what you have, you have something that you can give. Maybe it's to help someone play soccer. Or, or maybe it's that you, want, you love coffee and you want to get together with other believers. But we have community circles that gather together and build relationships. The second kind we have is what's called the study circle. And that's where there's a curriculum that you go through or a teaching. We have one on the, the book of Proverbs. We have one on the last group that we had. It was step families. It's called smart step family. And that's blending families together. And they go through a curriculum together that's a video-based thing. So maybe you're interested in going deeper on a topic or going deeper into a specific book of the Bible. There's a study circle for you. There's an outreach circle. We're excited because the end of this month we're having a big picnic barbecue. And it's going to be on a Sunday. We want you to come. And here's what we're doing. We're having a, a softball tournament. Because we want people that like to play softball to play. And we're going to put together teams. We're going to have a round-robin tournament. And why we're doing it is to have some fun. But also, we're hoping that maybe when it's over, we'll have enough people that we can put our own league together. And here's why. Imagine getting four teams for higher vision and ten people on a team, but only six on each team are from higher vision. And the other four now... You go out and find friends that love to play softball. You say, hey, come join our league. And they join the league. And now, before every game, you're praying together. And you're going out to pizza um, afterwards. And you're talking. In fact, after the service, this service, I had someone come up to me and say, you know, Pastor Jared, my husband, 
who was not a believer, who liked to drink. In fact, he came to a circle because they said he could bring his beer. He showed up at the circle and found out they were starting a softball team. He loved softball, so he joined the softball team. Two years later, he gave his heart to Jesus Christ. Wait, now he's the men's leader of our men's ministry over at the prison, right over here. Because of an outreach circle. How awesome is that? And then if you want to take your calling in life or in ministry to the next level, we have Spiritual Growth Institute, another place that you can circle up and be involved where you study and you grow. How do you become a circle um, in, involved in a circle? Let me quickly tell you. We have a website, and on our website, the first way is that you go, you click on the circles page, and you can scroll through all the different types of circles that we have so far. You can also look on the map and click on one near you. Maybe it's the right fit for you, or maybe your time is specific, and you're not sure when you can meet. So right up here on the top, we have all of these little buttons. You can go to stage of life. Maybe you're single, or maybe you're married with kids. You click on that, and then you go, okay, a neighborhood. I'm looking for a neighborhood in Canyon Country, and then regularity. I'm looking for one that meets once a month or twice a month. And then over here, days of the week that you're interested. And then you hit search, and it'll show you all the groups that, that line up with that area and the interest that you have. The other thing you can do is you can go talk to someone in a red shirt after the service, and they'll help you connect into a circle. The third thing you can do is go out to our welcome tent right there, and you can say, hey, I'm interested in a circle. What, what do I need to do? How do I do it? And they'll show you and help you connect. I'm going to tell you, there are things that you can't see. There are, there are places that you can't go until you get in a circle. Because when you're in a circle, you'll see it. And when you see it, you can accelerate. Somebody say amen. amen. Now, let me say one last thing. Maybe you're here and you want to lead a circle. And i got to tell you, if we're going to have 100 circles around the city, we need some circle leaders. So if you want to lead a circle, listen, here's how you do it. First of all, go to the tent and talk to somebody back there. But we're going to have a special leadership training next Sunday night from 4.30 to 6.30. And you can go through the process of getting equipped and prepared to lead people and help people find community and find their faith. Amen? Come on, somebody say amen. amen. So if you're going to accelerate, the first thing you've got to do is you've got to circle up. So let's take a moment real quick and let's find out about this circle. Why don't you share with us a little bit about what you guys are doing? Good morning. It's on. Good morning, Higher Vision. I'm Raul. I've been a member of this church uh, since 2014. So you guys were up in Castaic. Um, we have the Guardians Group. The Guardians Group was started. The founder is uh, uh, Tim Traurig. He is a retired fireman. His father is a retired um, peace officer for the Los Angeles Police Department. He grew up understanding and seeing the needs both professionally and in his personal life, how the challenges of the professions affected uh, not only them in the profession, but also in their home life. So he came up with the Guardians Group, knowing, I think, the, the thing that stemmed him was knowing that uh, people from military, law enforcement, fire, um, have this idea that we are not allowed to speak about our pain. Since we uh, come into the profession, we are taught and trained that uh, it doesn't matter how, how much pain you're in, you keep pushing forward. You suck it up and you drive on. And so, as we all know, that creates a whole set of problems. So Tim created the group to create an environment that's safe for people uh, in our profession, again, military, fire, law enforcement, to come together and have a Bible-based group 
that allows us to come in and, and get the guidance and the truth, I think, is most important um, that we need so we can start unraveling these issues and uh, have some peer support and a lot of camaraderie. Um, and that really, really helps. Uh, I went through that and that was huge for me coming into a, a, a small group that uh, you're not sure how it's gonna turn out, but you step out into faith and you kind of watch for the first couple of times, then you start hearing other members, guys from Vietnam War, guys from Gulf War, guys on the street, whether they're police or fire, and they start telling them and it encourages you to come out and start unraveling your problems and get them out so you can start getting the, the help you need. Inherently, I think we all know that there's some issues that we have and so it's important that we go out and, and, and seek that. Um, the other thing that came from this group was the guardian's wives. And so we all know that uh, for the most part, the spouse is the first one that winds up dealing with these issues. So the guardian wives started, they meet every other Monday and they come together and they discuss on their own, separate from the guardians, the issues that they have so that they can together then go home and, and uh, have a better home life. And so it, it's, it's been fantastic. It's worked so much. I know it's worked for me uh, tremendously. It has given me such tremendous amount of peace and understanding and truth. So we've got now guys gathering up that um, are encouraging each other, building community. We've got the wives now encouraging. And then there was one other thing that developed out of it too, and that's with the safety team, right? Oh, yeah. The safety team, the church came uh, to the group for, as a need to create a safety team. Most of the Guardian members are, are safety team members. You'll see us around wearing black shirts that say higher vision on it. And that's also, we have, uh, we're, we're able to provide not only medical services, emergency medical services, uh, we're also able to provide safety and security services for the church during our church service. Is that awesome? Come on, give the Lord a hand. There are things you can't see until you get in a circle. It's time to jump. Come on, somebody say amen. So number one, we got to circle up. Here's the second thing we, we find in the story. Not only do we circle up, but if we're going to accelerate, number two, we've got to call it out. We've got to call it out. Now, what does that mean? What is, where do we find that in the story? Let's go to 1 Kings. 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 44 says, Finally, the seventh time, his servant told him, I saw a cloud about the size of a man's hand rising from the sea. He saw what, what Elijah couldn't see. And then it says, Then, Elijah, what's the next word? Come on, that's kind of weak. Then Elijah what? Shouted. He shouted. And what did he say? Hurry to Ahab and tell him, climb into your chariot and go back home. If you don't hurry, the rain will stop you. See, what's interesting is in that story, Elijah calls something out. What does he call out? It was the promise. God showed him that after this several years of drought, God was getting ready to give a promise. He was going to send some rain. But he didn't just get the word and then think about it. He didn't just get the word and write it in his journal. He didn't just get the promise and every once in a while think about it. He spoke it out. You see, when you see it, you got to speak it. And what I would encourage you is that as God begins to stir your heart, hey, I think I need to get into a circle, tell somebody. If you feel like God's spoken to you, you get in a circle and God begins to give you a promise about your finances. Hey, I believe that as a family, we're going to get out of debt by the, by the year 2020. Speak it out. You see, you're, you're, when you do that, you're modeling God. Because let me show you a really cool scripture. It's interesting. 
The Bible says at the beginning of time, before the earth was created, the earth was formless and empty, and darkness covered the deep waters. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. Here's what that tells us. Everything that was needed and was there and ready for creation to begin, but it didn't happen until God said, let there be light. Could it be that God has put everything in place around you, the promises are there, the circles are there, and if you get in position, now all of the right ingredients are in place, but God's waiting for you to do what he did, which is to not just circle up, but to speak it out, to call it out. In fact, let's read. It says in, in Romans chapter 4, Speaking about Abraham, as it is written, I have made you the father of many nations. He is our father in the sight of God, in whom we believed. And then it defines who God is. It gives some characteristics of God. The God who gives life to the dead and, what's the next two words? Calls things that are not as though they are. You see, God doesn't just see it, he says it. In fact, the word calls is a Greek word, and here's what it means. It means to name or to summon. I ask you a question. What do you need to name? What do you need to summon? What do you need to call out? It's interesting because how many have ever played the game horse? Come on, anybody ever played the game horse, right? You get together and you go to a basketball hoop and what do you do? You come in and the first person does a shot, right? And... You then do the shot, and everybody has to do the shot with it. But here's the thing. If you'll notice, I just did what's called a bank shot. How many know that if I don't call bank, it doesn't count? They, they're not required to hit the backboard. Now, now, let me just say, why did we need to call it out? Let me tell you why God wants you to not just circle up, but call it out. Number one, because it builds your faith. You see, when I call bank, I start to believe that I can hit it off the backboard into the rim. Secondly, what does it do? It holds you accountable. God speaks to your heart and says, hey, you're going to have a better marriage in 2019 than you had in 2018. And you tell your circle, you tell somebody, your prayer partner, what happens? Now there's accountability and someone's saying, hey, how's it going with your marriage? Hey, are you working on things? Hey, have you read this book? Are you praying? It helps you go to the next level. The third thing it does is it creates positive motion. You see, here's what's interesting. When I call bank shot, now something happens. What happens? I don't aim at the basket, I aim at the board. And there's a lot of us that are trying to accelerate, but we're still aiming at the basket. But once I call it out, now my direction changes. So that I can get to where I need to be. What direction has God called you to in the next season? What are the things that he wants you to jump for? What are the things that he wants you to leap for? I'm telling you, when you see it, you'll say it, but you won't see it until you're in a circle. And secondly, when you say it, what happens? Boom, something changes. Now suddenly, I'm going to get out of debt in 2020. Now suddenly, oh yeah, no, let's not buy that right now. We're going to save. We're going to start paying off some other debts first. Your direction is correlated to what you say. Come on, somebody say amen. Acceleration. Call it. Circle up, call it out. Here's point number three. Tighten your belt. Let's go back to the story. So we go back to, to 1 Kings 46. It says, And the Lord gave special strength to Elijah, 
he tucked his cloak into his belt and he ran ahead. Here's what's interesting. In this story, Elijah literally outruns a chariot, a horse pulling a chariot for 17 miles. But before he did, first of all, he had this ingredient of a circle. Secondly, he calls out God's promise. And then the third thing he did was he grabbed his belt and he tightened it. Now let's talk a little bit about the culture of that day. Because in the culture of, the, of, of this period of time, often people would wear what's called an undercloak, or like many of us, we wear underwear, undergarments, or whatever, and it would be this long kind of robe-looking thing that was a little bit more form-fitting, and then they would have a belt, and they would tie the belt around that undergarment like that. Then they would wear what's called an outer garment, and they'd put on the outer garment, right? This happens every service. Okay, there. Now watch what happens. As people wore this kind of a thing, when it came time for them to do something physically strenuous, or when they needed to, to be freed to be able to run or work hard, they would loosen their belt, and then they would take the loose thing and put it into the belt, like so, and then tighten the belt right? It would tighten it. And maybe what God is saying to us in this story is that one of the ways to get to where you need to get to is that you need to tighten the belt. You see, as long as you leave it loose, it hinders you. There's a, there's a quote, and the quote is simply this, tightening is not meant to restrict you, tightening is meant to help you accelerate. What do you need to tighten? Maybe for some of you, we've talked about finances, getting out of debt. Maybe for some of you, you've let things be a little too loose. You didn't follow a budget. You spent whatever, whenever. You didn't really think about it. And now you're trying to get out of debt, but you can't because you're, you're having a difficult time because things are too loose. Things are in the way. And so God's saying, listen, if you're going to move forward, sometimes you've got to tighten things. What do you need to tighten? Maybe it's in your marriage. Maybe it's the way you talk around your kids. Maybe it's the way you parent your kids. I mean, there's seasons of tightening. But God doesn't call us to seasons of tightening to restrict us. God calls us to seasons of tightening to advance us. He wants you to get to where you're going to be. But sometimes you can't get to where you want to be if everything is all loose. Well, I go to church every once in a while. Well, every once in a while we'll follow the budget. But this month we ended up putting an extra $1,000 on a credit card. And before long, you don't realize that, you know, one of the things that happened uh, several years ago is I realized that my wife, first of all, her car was about ready to be paid off. Come on, anybody, you know, love that day. You're paying the car off. Come on, right? And, of course, I knew that she probably would want to get a new car, but then it hit me. I'm like, wait a minute. We've got our oldest, Macy. She's going to need a car before long, and we promised to give her some money towards that. So here's what I did. I went to the vet, and I said, the vet, hey, I tell you what. You know what? It'd be easy for us to just, you know, either go right and get a new car or you know, just not get a car right away and just kind of, you know, go to the movies and go on that trip and, you know, let just do whatever and have some fun. And, you know, I said, but what if we do this? What if we just keep making the payment to ourselves, and you don't get a new car quite yet? And in a year from now, we'll have the money saved to pay cash to get our kids that car. Then you can get your car. You see, tightening is not meant to restrict you. 
And we did that with all four kids. That's how we were able to get the money to help them with their cards every single time. How? Because tightening is not meant to restrict you. Tightening is meant to enable you to accelerate. Sometimes you got to circle up. Sometimes you got to call it out. And sometimes you got to tighten the belt. Y'all with me? Say amen. amen. All right, let's go to our last point. The last thing that we see in this story is that you need to get in position. Get in position. It's interesting because when you read the story, you see something that you, you may not have noticed when you read it, but I want to point it out to you. Let's go back to 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 46. Then the Lord gave special strength to Elijah. He tucked his belt into his or his cloak into his belt and ran ahead of Ahab's chariot all the way to the entrance of Jezreel. Now, when you read that, here's what I used to think that meant. That meant that he told, you know, he spoke it out. He called out God's promise. He said, hey, rain's coming, so you better hurry. And so he gets in the chariot, and he starts racing towards Jezreel. And then Elijah tucked his belt in and ran some cool, you know, shortcut. And ran really fast and beat him to Jezreel. But as I began to do research, here's what I discovered is that the phrase that said he ran ahead of his chariot is actually a phrase that theologians believe describe what Elijah did. Because in those days, there were certain people, kind of like the safety team, they were security guards, or uh, not security guards, but they were, you know, like secret service, or they were armor bearers, and here's what they would do. They would go into the service and say, I'm going to now serve the king and his kingdom. And when they made that declaration, certain ones would then come and they would stand on the back corners and on the front corners of the chariot. And when the chariot would roll along, they would run along as the, as the uh, horse was walking and pulling the chariot. They would run along with the chariot. And what they were saying is that we're here to protect the king, to protect the kingdom, to serve the king, and to serve the kingdom. We're not going to run our own path. We're going to follow the path of the king. And so most theologians believe that when he ran for 17 miles on the pace of a horse galloping, was that he said in his heart, you know what, this kingdom has been messed up, Jezebel and Ahab have ruined it, but you know what, we've defeated the prophets of Baal, there's a new season, I think that maybe I can serve the king now, and with my help and Ahab together, I can serve him, and we can turn the course of this whole nation, I'm going to surrender myself, I'm going to submit myself to the service of the king and the kingdom. And so he positioned himself, Say, I'm going to get in position. And because he did, he accelerated. Now, in the end of the story, Jezebel finds out what had happened and says, I'm going to kill you. And so it didn't work out the way he wanted. But what I love is that when he got in position, supernatural strength came to accelerate. In fact, as they ran down the mountain, you know what the Bible says? They outran the rain. My, my son Tanner, who is on the keyboard this weekend, he's going to share the story and, um, of the, the ride for freedom and what they did. And there was one day when they called me where he said, Dad, literally, we're in the middle of this rainstorm and we're just riding as fast as we can. And they literally outran a rainstorm. Just it, was, it stayed with them the whole time. I don't know how long it was, an hour, two hours. And the rain was just there. And they literally just outran the rain. And I just want to stop and say, I think spiritually, prophetically, God is saying, there's some of you that are still caught in your rainstorm. 
You're still caught in your trials and your challenges. And the way that you're going to accelerate out of that mud and that mire and that, that difficult situation is to get in position, start to serve the king and his kingdom, and watch, you'll outrun the rain. Come on, somebody say amen. He accelerated because he got in position. What is the position God is calling you to? Maybe it's, I'm finally going to surrender, God, and I'm going to get in a circle. Maybe for you it's, you know what, I'm going to finally get involved. I'm going to lead a circle. I'm going to serve the kingdom. I promise you there are things you haven't seen. There are things that God will do. And you say, God, I'm going to get in position. You know, as I was uh, talking a little bit before the service, they shared with me a little bit of the story of some things that have happened in this circle. It's pretty awesome. And I want, I want them to share a little bit of one of those stories with you. Hi, I'm Guy Blackwell. I've been a member of the um, Guardians group for two years. Um, I'm a U.S. Army vet. And uh, as we were talking beforehand, we thought of the one testimony that really impacted all of us on here. And it's of a member who was going through a tough time personally in his life. It seemed like everything was falling down, on, closing in on him, falling down on him. He, his, his countenance was was low. He was in a, you know, I don't want to say a bad place, but he was definitely hurting. And um, it was on a weekend when we were, a group of us, maybe four or five of us, were heading up to man camp. And uh, that Friday evening, uh, we sent out a text. I believe it was Raul sent out a text and said, hey, we're snatching this guy up. We're taking him up there with us. He's got, he can't be alone. He's going to be with us this weekend. So he did. He snatched him up, pulled him out of that fire he was in, took him up to man camp. We had a great time. We fellowshiped together. We grew together. We bonded. We, we served the Lord. We, we had the spirit there in the presence. It's such a great, great opportunity up there in man camp to, uh, to do that, to be amongst other men and, and to just find that. But during that time up there, we saw the transformation. We saw the Holy Spirit take care of him and, and heal him and replenish him. And when he came back down, the hill and we were back at our meeting on Monday night um, that guy gave his testimony and that testimony didn't just refresh him and, and rebuild him his testimony also refreshed and rebuilt us as as a team and um, that's the power of the circle that we have and that's the power of a circle it gave us um, it gave us an opportunity to see that it, without us doing that without us snatching him up out of that fire you know, he could have had a, a tough time, but it also replenished us to know that because of our circle, any time that I'm going to be in a tough spot or anybody else on the team is going to be a tough, tough spot, we know that they're going to get snatched up. We're not going to allow that. It's like no man left behind or no woman left behind. Because we also have women in the group. That's something we failed to, <laughs> to mention. It's not just, uh, or not just all uh, men. We, we have women in the group as well. But um, the power of the circle and that testimony that he was able to gi give and to see his whole life change and his outlook change, it just inspired us. And without us doing that or without him sharing that testimony and being a part, um, we don't know, you know where things could have went. But um, it, it was just a blessing on us to have this group, and we're looking forward to seeing if we could be a blessing in other people's lives or other people could be a blessing in our lives as well. Two things. Number one, they meet on Mondays. At what time? 7 p.m. If you want to find more, they're in the cafe. You can talk to them after service. You can go online and find out about Guardian Circles. But I loved, as we were talking before the service, here's what they said. You know what we realized? We're not going to leave anyone behind. They're on their way to camp, and there's a brother who's struggling who wasn't going, and they stopped and said, no, we're not going to leave. We're going to go back and get him. We're not going to leave anyone behind. Man, what can happen when you get in position? 
What lives can be changed? What transformation, what acceleration can happen? If we'll just circle up and we'll call it out. Right? Tighten our belt a little. Well, Pastor Jared, I, I, I'm busy. I don't, I, have a, I don't have a lot of time. Well, you know what? Maybe you can find a circle that meets one time a month, 45 minutes. It's not that tight. You can find 45 minutes. It may make the difference for you, and it may make the difference for all those around you. I don't know about you, but I don't want to be out on the lake struggling to get back to shore. I want to be in the middle of where God's called me to. I want to accelerate to his promises. How many would say that? So I want you to close your eyes.